It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. you ever have those enough is enough moments you probably had one today if you went to a normal job or you're you're in school well it sounds like shortly after lunch by my estimation Tennessee reached their enough is enough point with the NCAA and do I have some evidence to back it up we are jam-packed high atop a flustered downtown Nashville Tennessee we ourselves are fine but the city at least the orange-clad portion of the city, sort of in an uproar, as is the entire state here, and then the southeast and the nation has followed in with their own opinions. NCAA investigation, point seven, comes to Knoxville, so I'm going to talk about that. It's Tuesday night, it's January 30th, the year of our Lord, 2024. I got some stuff on Sharon uh, Moore and Michigan, because we really haven't talked about that on this show yet. I've got a lot to say about some teams that may be headed backwards this year. Normally like to keep it upbeat in the late winter, early spring months, but we do have to face reality a time or two on the show. I've got Big Ten and Big 12 schedule thoughts. We've got a whole lot to get to on the show tonight, and we will waste no further time. They're watching us in Shiloh, Georgia, Louisville, Kentucky, Malibu, California, Texarkana, Texas. Thank you guys so much. Always encourage you to be following on the socials at Late Kick Josh because we have some plans or maybe some live content on those platforms that aren't on the YouTube channel. And that's all I'll say at this point because it's still in the uh, workshopping phase. But at Late Kick Josh, all kinds of good stuff on Instagram and Twitter you don't get here. Well, here we go. Uh, I know that you mostly saw the headlines, but if you haven't, if you haven't, here we go. Colin, here's the end point. Tennessee reportedly is being investigated again by the NCAA. I know what you're thinking to yourself. Josh, this is old news. They were already being investigated. No, friends, this is a new investigation. It's the investigation after the investigation. And this was reported earlier on today by Sports Illustrated, and it has since been verified nine ways from Sunday. We even got a reply from Dondi Plowman, the chancellor there at Tennessee. As a general rule on this show, we have learned not to take NCAA investigations seriously, but that doesn't mean they're not real. It's just I don't put a whole lot of credence in them. I don't take them seriously because I don't take these people Seriously, I am very pro-enforcement. Don't get me wrong. I'm very pro-rules and guidelines. Very, notice the, the wording here, very clearly defined enforceable guidelines. Your boy is all for them. Pate State's never been investigated. Okay, I'm all for them. That is not what these people do. That's not what these people are about. So we had that news come out, oh, mid to late morning, I would say, Jesse and Colin. And then uh, the powers that be there in Knoxville, they went and got a Caesar salad for lunch. They came back to the office and they said, bring me the blowtorch. Dondi Plowman said, bring me the blowtorch. So 
Don D. Plowman is the chancellor at Tennessee. Uh, this is a woman who has ascended to her position through things like merit and hard work. She's very smart, very cerebral, fiercely loyal, and will defend her university if necessary. So naturally, she eviscerated these people today because they fit none of those characteristics. So shortly after we got word that they were being investigated, before a notice of infractions had been sent to the university, mind you, which means a mouthpiece had to report it at the behest of the NCAA, shortly after we got that this morning, we got this from Don DePlowman in response. Quote, earlier today, a team from the University of Tennessee met with members of your enforcement staff to discuss allegations the NCAA intends to bring against Tennessee related to NIL. We appreciate your staff listening to our arguments and agreeing to evaluate them. The NCAA's allegations are factually untrue and procedurally flawed. Moreover, it is intellectually dishonest for your enforcement staff to pursue infractions cases as if student athletes have no NIL rights and as if institutions, pay attention here, have all been functioning post-Alston with a clear and unchanging set of rules and willfully violating them. You notice what she said there? Um, naturally, she responded that way because that's how you have to deal with these people. Now, when I say things like that, if you're new to college athletics, if you just decided you're going to be a college sports fan in the past year, let's say, college football, basketball, whatever, you may come in on like chapter 18 of the book and you may be watching this play out saying, what's this woman's problem? If they broke rules, certainly they have to be punished, right? I want to encourage you guys. You um, would probably serve your best interest to zoom way, way out on this thing independent of whatever comes out with Tennessee. I don't care if you're a Bama fan and you hate these people with every fiber of your being. I don't care if you're a Georgia fan. I don't care. You need to zoom it out for the greater good because this is, this is like the coyote wandering the neighborhood. Oh, the coyote got the neighbor's cat last night. I didn't like that cat anyway. You really need to go after the coyote because it's going to come for yours the next night. These people will eventually come for yours uh, because you are in a world, as Dondi Plowman said, where... You have not had a clear and unchanging set of rules, and you haven't been willfully violating them in some cases. It's just been, uh, you, you got one set the one day and then another set the next day, and so uh, who in the world knows how to operate? Remember Taz Walker? They don't want you to, so I'm going to remind you. I remember Taz Walker. Remember how I sat at this desk uh, leading into the 2023 college football season, and there was this receiver that was set to play for North Carolina. And he had only played at one other university through some weird transfer stuff. He had transferred multiple times, but he had never played anywhere other than Kent State. And he transfers to North Carolina, and everyone assumes he's going to be eligible. And then the NCAA all of a sudden just decides, no, he's not eligible. And everyone's beside themselves. What are you talking about? Then North Carolina appeals. And then we wait and wait and wait, and we're week of the game. We're 72 hours, 48 hours, 24 hours away from the game. North Carolina announces he's not going to be able to play week one. NCAA upholds their um, decision to not make him eligible. And then weeks into the season, all of a sudden he's eligible. And you know what they had the audacity to say? They had the audacity to say, well, you should have filed your paperwork right the first time. Like that's that's what happened. What really happened is legal minds who are not only capable of matching wits, but more so capable of playing whack-a-mole with the NCAA got involved. And they realized, oh, we actually don't have a leg to stand on. We're kind of sort of screwing this kid. And even if we do have 
nomenclature that we can hide behind. Is our entire purpose not to serve a student athlete? Is, is our, in other words, is our entire purpose not to help this kid find a way to get eligible if there is a way? So anyway, I want you to remember that because it was that night. It was that that finally was my last straw. I don't know what yours is or if you've had yours yet, but that was my last straw. Some of you may say it took you that long. Well, I held out hope, but there is no hope for this organization. They are a hopeless people. And we are as well as a college football public if we are continuing to depend on them for enforcement. In no merit-based world do these people have jobs. It's never, it's never the case in a merit-based world. Imagine for a second you work in construction. I've done this before. Imagine you work in construction and you show up to the job site one week and there's your schematic and there's the overall blueprint and here, here's lumber here and here's HVAC. And then the next Monday you show up, the plans have changed. And yet, what are we going to do? Well, we can't reverse what we already built. So I guess we're just going to kind of go by these plans now. Then you show up the next Monday and you got a whole new set of HVAC instructions and you got a new angle that they want the ceiling built at. And you have no choice but to keep going. You're working on a deadline. And fast forward six months, the house is built. And then the inspector shows up and says, this house doesn't look right. I'm going to punish you. What would you do? Anyone in their right mind would say, well, you kind of put us in an impossible situation because the rules kept changing. That's what Don Plowman's saying. Saying, you fools actually have the audacity to change the rules at the 11th hour of every day and then look at us and think we're supposed to enforce it. And by the way, it's not just like, like wind direction changing. Okay, that's as simple as south, southwest and north, northeast and the end. In this world, please understand, these are entire major organizations that you're trying to run. And so if you change guidelines today on January 30th, I have to then completely restructure my organization or my player personnel or my NIL or my recruiting department. And I'm hopefully building and then I'm hiring to build a structure to adhere to your guidelines. And that's a, that's a six to 12 month process. And then eight months into it, you change the guidelines again. And all the while, you're telling me some rules got broken? You're telling me some corners got cut? That's not the problem. I'm pro-enforcement. I would love to see guidelines on this whole thing. These aren't the people to do it. Is her point? Is my point? Is everyone's point? Which brings me to my next point, and that is, what's Greg Sankey got to say about this? I assume he's not going to step to a podium in Birmingham anytime soon and have the SEC commissioner's office speaking out on this but he's got to have something to say about it. The, the conference at the league office has to have something to say about this because they're not anti-enforcement either. In fact, I think there's probably a world not too far down the road where conferences police themselves a whole lot more strictly and effectively than the NCAA ever has been able to. I'm not sure when that happens, but most informed people in the industry think that's where we're headed. Are we really ever going to get to a point in this investigation or any major investigation forthcoming where a league office like the SEC or the Big Ten allows the NCAA to come down on one of their member institutions in a world that was de facto created to be as big a mess as it is because of the very body that is investigating and handing down punishment. Are they really going to let that happen? I don't think so. Some people said today, well, what about the Michigan situation? The Michigan situation, 
regardless of what you thought about it, that's totally different. That's not an infraction that's related to recruiting at NIL. That's its own different universe over here. And we've talked about that a lot on the show. If Michigan were being investigated like they were before, I'm not talking about the stallion stuff, but like they were before, I would be an advocate for Michigan as a university hardlining against the NCAA, which they didn't do, by the way, and I thought it was very short-sighted of them, and a lot of their fan base has come to agree with that. you got to handle these people at the NCAA like Donnie Plowman in Tennessee did today, and anyone else moving forward that these people try and come down on and actually have the audacity to try and punish for things they did in an environment that was, that was created to be a mess by the very folks investigating you. you got to shoot back. you got to fire back at them. It's not hard to match wits with them. These aren't talented people. That's why they have the jobs they have to begin with. So it's not that hard to match wits with them. Just stop being scared. It is a tiger. It's just a paper tiger. You don't have to fear these people. And it is my belief that long before a hammer actually drops on Tennessee, the SEC League office will step in on this. I maybe think they won't need to because it sounds like Tennessee has their ducks in a row on this. Um, but should the situation arise. I don't think Greg Sankey and the SEC are going to allow it. Now, that opens a whole new can of worms if we were to get to that point. And I understand that, and we don't have time for that on tonight's show. But the NCAA investigating Tennessee. All right. We'll probably have more to say about that. Let's move on. Welcome to the show tonight. If you're watching live, especially appreciate it. Um... Make sure you subscribe to the channel and like the video. It really helps us out. We'd like to put Bradley through college. Bradley, you graduated already, didn't you? Never mind. We would like to uh, support whatever Bradley wants to do next in life. So subscribe to the channel so we can do so. All right. I have not been able to talk about this yet, so let's talk about it now. I got a loaded show tonight. I got a ton of different things to get to. So thank you for listening and watching. Michigan has hired Sharon Moore permanently now. As head coach, I always love seeing programs be able to promote from within. Now, hopefully, fingers crossed, you have the right candidates within your organization so you can promote from within. Michigan feels like they have that. The strength and conditioning coach also moved on, and they promoted from within. So a lot of big names have hit the exit door following a national championship, players and coaches, and now they've promoted from within. At least they've tried to as much as they can. And so the Sharon Moore era begins there at Michigan. What's realistic here? In terms of expectation, what's realistic? I think giving him time, I don't know how many years that means, uh, but I think giving him time is something you got to do, and I think they will. He's at the right place. Sharon Moore is at the right place if it's patience you're looking for. Michigan's not a microwave program. They even saw that under Harbaugh. If they were a microwave program, meaning they want the results and they want them now, they would have fired Harbaugh long before he had a chance to start post-2020 scaling those results to what eventually became a three-year run of playoff appearances culminating in a national championship, they never would have gotten there if they didn't have patience. So I think they'll have patience with him because the program has to take a step back. At least logic would tell us programs got to take a step back in on-field result. How could you not? Or if they don't, let me put it this way, Sharon Moore's coach of the year material in year one, uh, but it's reasonable to expect him to take a step back Jim Harbaugh, had he remained the head coach, probably would have taken a step back. I mean, how can you be better than undefeated national champion? You really can't. So that was going to happen anyway. How big is the step back? You enter a whole new world of everyone targeting you. You got the target on your back. You got the, the new Big Ten to deal with, with 
more new members incoming. So I don't know. Um, I, I will not say that I turned cartwheels and thought it was a slam dunk. But you know what? That doesn't matter because we don't know Sharon Moore. Michigan does. You've never seen him. I've never seen him as a permanent head coach. So, you know, Sharon Moore looks in the mirror. He knows himself. The folks he's worked with inside that building and inside that organization, they know him. The players know him. You know what one of the telltale signs is to me is that no one has said anything other than great things about him. That doesn't guarantee wins. It doesn't guarantee championships. What it does guarantee is the organization believes in him, which is a very, very important aspect of this. Make no mistake. So they believe in him. That means they'll fight for him. And think about this. If you're inside Michigan, you know, if you're, if you're a, an offensive line coach, uh, congratulations, Grant Newsom, by the way, or if you're a secondary coach, or if you're a, a nutritionist, or whoever it is, and you know Sharon Moore, and you've got a place that preaches Michigan man, the Michigan way, and then you know Harbaugh leaves. Well, you're looking at leadership, and you're saying, do we really believe this, or are you guys going to go and hire someone outside that has nothing to do with Michigan and kind of fly in the face of what you preach around here? Well, when they promote from within, you take it upon yourself to make sure they feel that their decision was validated. You go to war for the guy. You go over the cliff for the guy. So that attitude surely permeates through Schembechler Hall and beyond. I don't doubt that. But even if you have all that, it's really hard to win. So, so that's not the end-all, be-all, but that is a core tenet of what I think Michigan football will be under Sharon Moore. You know what the perception hurdle will be with him? Ironically, is Ryan Day. I heard Sam Webb earlier today say, hey, Ryan Day's got no excuse now. And I get what he's saying there, but you know what else I think may enter the equation if Sharon Moore doesn't win immediately is there is a portion, not the whole thing, but there's a portion of the Michigan fan base that has spent the better part of the last half decade screaming that Ryan Day was born on third base. Why? Because he didn't have to build Ohio State from the ground up and he didn't have to go toil away in some tier two or tier three job in the MAC. His first head coaching job was as they would say, handed to him on a silver platter. And it was post-Urban Meyer, and it was a turnkey contender, and all he had to do was sit in the driver's seat and put on a seatbelt, and boom, there's not much you have to build. There's just something you have to maintain. Now, I think that's short-sighted, and that's not exactly the way it works, but that's what a lot of people think when they look at Ryan Day, better or worse. I say that because you cannot have yelled that at Ryan Day over the past several years and then look at Sharon Moore if he doesn't win immediately and say anything other than that. Jim Harbaugh and that entire staff, the literal last thing they did before they left was celebrate a national championship win. So you can have no more ready-made winner than that handed over to you. Uh, I don't think that means you don't deserve it. I don't even think the born on third base thing is true in a lot of ways. Uh, I, get the, I get the principle behind it, but I, if you don't think that uh, Ryan Day was well-qualified for that job, or Lincoln Riley when he got Oklahoma, we just disagree on that. Uh, Sharon Moore, I think, is qualified to get this head coaching job. But there's also reality that enters into the equation, and that is there are no shortcuts to learning the lessons you have to learn as a head coach. I say this all the time. It's not, it's not a Sharon Moore-specific point that I'm making here. I say it all the time. Kirby had to learn him. Kirby almost lost to Nichols State his first year at Georgia. Like, Nichols had them beat in Athens, 
And yet he's gone on to now be considered one of, if not the best head coaches in America. So even if Sharon Moore is to enjoy that kind of trajectory, it won't come without bumps. And in fairness, in engaging the Michigan fan base on this, I think most of them are realistic on this. I don't talk to many Michigan folks who say, hey, we better not see much of a drop-off or else we got to rethink this whole thing. I think most of them are realistic. It's not, hey, let's make sure we make a bowl game next year, but it's also not, we better be back in Indianapolis or else. I think they get it. And I think they also understand what they're not interested in is being like some of these other universities that seem to have coaching searches every two to three years. And if that means investing in a guy and taking some lumps year one, year two for him to be your guy year six, seven, eight, then so be it. That's what they did with Harbaugh when he got back there. And Harbaugh had head coaching experience. So surely I expect them to do that with Sharon Moore. But like I said, Harbaugh would have taken a step back. Had he returned, the on-field product may have taken a step back. So let's have some patience here. I'm, I'm talking nationally as well. The expectations probably going to be out of whack. Let's have some patience here. Academy Sports and Outdoors. How do I mix in patience? I would say more so than patience, if you go to Academy Sports and Outdoors, you need to just have some time. This is not the kind of place where I think if you've never been in there before, you're walking in and then walking out within five minutes. And that's even if you have in your mind one thing that you want to purchase. You walk in and you say, I never knew they had this, this, that, and that. But they do. I don't even know what the this is and the that's are. I don't know how you live your life. I don't know what you value. You may need a soccer goal. Okay, you may need a street hockey stick. Jesse, we need to check and see if they have those. I'm pretty sure they do. Maybe just a pouch of grape big league chew at the checkout counter. Whatever it is, they got you covered. Academy.com is where you go if you can't get there in person. Academy Sports and Outdoors, you know it. You know what's coming is, uh, even though it's been cold most everywhere, that day's coming probably in the next two or three weeks, even in the north, where uh, maybe not the north, but maybe in the mid-levels mid of the United States, where you get that random 62-degree day that lets you know spring is on the way and everyone's going to be all pale looking, and everyone's going to be outside, and it's going to give you hope. It's going to give you hope. The sun's not always going to set at 445 in Nashville. Eventually, we'll have sun past seven, and it'll be nice, and the birds will be singing, and flowers will be blooming, and Academy will be open for all of your outdoor recreational needs, and grilling, and camping, and all the in-between. So Academy.com, if you can't get there in person, Preferably just Academy Sports and Outdoors if you can't get there, if you can get there in person. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's continue. So I venture onto the internet the other day, as I'm wont to do, and I asked you guys, what do you think the biggest story will be in 2024? Not including what's already happened. Saban retiring is obviously a leader in the clubhouse. Let's, let's move past that and let's wonder amongst ourselves, okay, what could, be, what could be on par with that? You know, what could be coming down the road? So Colin, here's an end point for you. What do you think the biggest story this year in college football will be? And one of you came out and you had a very interesting point about realignment. Because I think some, uh, some folks' minds are shaped in a way that, oh, realignment's behind us now. Well, Dylan came out and said, conference realignment again. Big Ten and SEC scooping up some ACC and maybe a surprise SEC team trying to go to the Big Ten. So Dylan thinks, hey, we're not done. We're not done with realignment. And I know what most of you, well, I know some of you at least, are thinking, how could that be possible? Who else can move? Everyone's locked in, right? The SEC's at, what, 16, and the Big Ten's at 16, whatever they're at. I can't even remember now. Um, The Pac-12's no more, or if it is, it's not what it once was. And you got the Big 12, but everything's kind of on hold now, right? Well, yes and no. So the big fight going on right now is with the ACC, and the big fight is some member institutions, notably Florida State, openly trying to get out of the prison. They are, they are taking the spoon from the mess hall every evening, and they are slowly trying to tunnel their way out of there, and then Raquel Welch poster covers it up when they go for count every morning. That's FSU right now. Um, the follow-up to that, I think for most people, is, well, that doesn't matter. They can't get out because of that grant and rights deal or grant of rights deal. And that's boring. Uh, Just know that allegedly means they're locked in with the ACC through 2035 or 36. Well, um, in a world, or in a sense, in this world, that's true. Just remember this. I said this a month ago vaguely, and I'm going to say it again vaguely. ESPN does not hold some of the cards here. ESPN holds all of the cards because it is ESPN with which they have that deal as a conference, that grant of rights deal. That's who they're locked in with. And I can assure you, and they know what I'm about to say is true. They know there are certain key dates in the not-too-distant future where if ESPN really wanted to, they could pull one lever and that thing dissolves. And you know what happens if they pull that lever? Not only is Florida State free to go wherever they want to, but so is Virginia Tech, North Carolina, the ACC kind of dissolves, or at least it's up in the air. It's in a state of flux. And all of a sudden, the prison doors just open. And everyone, is this a PSYOP? Is this a test? And Florida State says, don't care. Woo! And they just run down the hallway and they're out. So one of the red flags on this, one of the tells on this, ironically, was when Florida State got snubbed for a college football playoff spot. And you may have watched that from a distance. And you may have thought what you thought about Florida State, but let's say you thought they belonged in the playoff. 
The fans were angry. The fans lashed out. But maybe you found yourself saying, why hasn't the university lashed out anymore? And maybe you even more specifically found yourself saying, why hasn't the university lashed out against certain media entities, ESPN included? Because maybe you thought there were certain personalities at ESPN that used that mega sports platform to lobby against Florida State's inclusion in the playoff. Now, this is not a radical opinion. Many people share this thought about Florida State and how they got left out. Independent of my thought on it, that's what many people believe. So you may have found yourself saying, wow, I can't believe the university didn't try and come out more fervently against this. Well, imagine the rock in a hard place that you're between as a university. If on one hand, you think you just got screwed out of a playoff spot and some people with large microphones in front of them at a certain four-letter network did you no favors, but then on the other side, they hold your entire future in their hands because it's them and them alone who hold the key to open that cell door you're in. How would you act? You would probably find the nearest pillow, put it over your face, scream into it for five minutes, and then go on about your business. That's all you can do. That's all you can do because being snubbed from the playoff, that's a here and now. But the fate of your future, that's it. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. So long story short, Dylan, I don't know if it's going to happen in 2024, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we have more headlines and more news on even more conference realignment. Now, the follow-up that I'm going to leave you with, because I don't know the answer, is where would Florida State go? And when we were at the national championship game in Houston, I talked to some people about many things along these lines. And one of them, I tried to ask as many folks as I could is, where do you think Florida State would land if they could get out today? And there was some stuff I can't share with you, but it's nothing groundbreaking. But what I can share with you is there was no consensus. And there was no person, there was no person who you could tell really had that answer and either couldn't tell you or they told you, but told you to shut your mouth and keep it quiet. I don't think anyone has a firm grasp. SEC, Big Ten, independence, where would they go? I don't know. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. Another submission that we had, let me take a sip from the chalice here. Because this is, um, this is what we call a troublemaker tweet from a troublemaker in and of himself. So what could the biggest story in college football be this year? Take a look at what our buddy Bartu said. Dave Bartu said, the Southeastern Conference, the year after they should have been shut out of the playoffs, get at least three teams in the final four. This is a troublemaker tweet. This is an agitation tweet. And it's going to work. I know it's going to work. So uh, forget about this past year, the past of the past. We're going to a 12-team playoff this year. So Bartu is not saying the SEC will have three of the top four ranked teams in the playoff. I think that's impossible, actually, given the way the seeding works this year. We'll see about the future. But once we get in the playoff, then, then it's on. You know, then we're, we're going to have that great experiment play out that we've all wondered about for so long, and that is if you expand the playoff, once the playoff happens – Will seeding really matter, or will these power conferences see their... I don't even want to say it that way, because that's a for sure immunity at my front door. Will the cream rise and just be labeled SEC Big Ten? Or maybe just SEC? Um, so I had producer Jesse pull some odds for me. 
because this is what we have to go on in late January, early February. So our buddies at FanDuel, they do have national championship odds already up for the 2024-5 national championship game. Nine of the top 17 teams in the championship odds market right now are SEC teams. Three of the top four are SEC teams. It goes Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, and then Oregon. LSU's there. Ole Miss. How about Ole Miss is a top five or top 10 rather odds team? Yeah. So 12 of the top 25, if you look at the 24-7 sports, there's a lot of numbers here. The 24-7 sports composite team talent metric, which just tries to loosely gauge how talented the rosters are. 12 of the top 25 teams in that are SEC teams. So the top of these odds boards, the top of the team rankings, they're going to be littered with SEC teams. But can they really get three out of four in the semifinal? Well, yeah, they absolutely can. This wouldn't be a shocker to me. This is going to happen. Maybe not this year, but something like this is inevitable, right? The SEC just randomly having a year where they get three or maybe even four out of the final four, that's inevitable. That's, that's going to happen at some point. That's not the question to me. The question to me that I'll sit back in the corner and laugh at is, what's the reaction going to be? Specifically from the expansionist crowd, what's the reaction going to be? Because I look... As I, as I would look at a, a kid at Golden Corral, uh, don't hate on Golden Corral. Don't you let me catch you hating on Golden Corral. And, um, you know, on, on one hand, you got the kid, you, you, you got the little kid over here who's had a nice balanced diet put in front of him for quite a while and gets dessert at the end. And that should be good enough. But then someone somewhere along the way told that kid he should just be able to get whatever he wants. And he pounded his hand on the table and said, I want dessert for every meal. And you know what? Since he wants it, he's, he's nine years old. He's old enough to think for himself. Just give him dessert every meal. And all of a sudden, he can't fit through the door frame, and he's 400 pounds before he's a sophomore in high school. And he looks and says, well, this isn't what I had in mind. I didn't know this would be the result. A lot of you want to expand a playoff. And then you're going to have to sit there and embrace the reality of LSU versus Alabama over here and, and Georgia playing Oregon over there and high likelihood of an all-SEC championship game, and you're going to say, well, this isn't what we signed up for. An expanded playoff is supposed to give us more parity. And then that little chorus that a lot of you sang of, well, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. At least we'll have more representation in the playoff field. All of a sudden, that chorus will go silent because you'll realize, actually, every postseason in the history of humanity has been about the same thing. And that's crowning a champion. That's what they're all about. The only minor exception is the NCAA basketball tournament, which has a field of about 140 teams at this point. And yes, there are first round matchups featuring teams that you know have likely no shot at winning the four or five games they need to win to win it all. But, you know, you can have a 15 over a two and that's fun. That's where the comparison between basketball and football ends. This 12 team playoff is about crowning a champ. And there is no solace in, well, we locked down an 11 seed and got blown out by 30 at the hands of 9-3 and three LSU, but it's fun while it lasted. That, that won't last long. And so that's what I'll look forward to seeing, because you know I didn't want to be here, but we are here. Um, now just beware, this, are, this will rhyme. This is fortune cookie logic. This will rhyme, so it'll be easy. Meemaw used to tell me, Joshua, if they ever expand that playoff, 
beware the nine and three SEC, because that's the most dangerous fin in the water. When we get into the expanded playoff era, you're going to have your precious four seed that won the AAC and somehow got a first round bye because auto bid. And you got the nine and three Tennessee fin out there just offshore. And no, they don't get home field advantage and they, they, they don't get a first round bye. But buddy, they got Nico Amaleava and they got a top 10 talent roster any given year. And when they're put on the same field as you in a postseason setting, you're going to find that you aren't always what your record says you are. Now, less than ever, you aren't always what your record says you are. So, hey, embrace the horror because it's here. Other than that, though, should be a really fun season. Uh, let's move on. Speaking of this season, we have more schedule releases. You know, I prayed for a world where we could actually release schedules like this, where we didn't have to release the 2032 schedule in 2024. We could just wait until the, the first few weeks of that year to release that season schedule. And we're there now. And today, I'm going to take a sip from the chalice, and I'm going to tell you what we learned today. And today, as we're recording, is Tuesday, January 30th. And we're not recording, we're live. Because I can prove it. See, it's 7.34. How could I have done that if we're not live? The Big 12 released their schedule today. This is spicy. We got a new Big 12, obviously. We've got Texas Know You out, and we've got, a, we've got programs joining, and so you need to use memory flashcards to try and familiarize yourself with the new landscape of college football. But you know what my biggest takeaway was? Colorado was done no favors with this new schedule they released. They play five of the top odds teams in the Big 12. Remember, it's January 30th right now. So we don't have over-under win totals. We don't have a preseason JP poll or an AP poll. So for very broad strokes purposes, when I mention the top teams in a conference, I am strictly looking at FanDuel and I'm taking their national championship odds because that's a good enough metric in January to go by. Colorado plays the top five odds teams in the Big 12 this upcoming year. They play seven of the top eight. Colorado was done no favors. West Virginia, they got the toughest non-conference slate here. They play Penn State at home. They go to Pitt. Penn State is the week one game, just like it was last year. So that's not easy. They also, at West Virginia, play four of the top five odds teams in the Big 12. So West Virginia did not get the easiest draw in the world. Now, like I told you about Syracuse in the ACC, there's always that sleeper schedule. And you know who the sleeper schedule is? Does anyone want to guess? Before I just throw it out there, does anyone want to guess? It's Texas Tech. Texas Tech and Joey McGuire. A lot of folks had high expectation for Texas Tech last year, and they probably fell short of your expectation. And that means, naturally, the follow-up year, what does everyone do? They take it personal because Texas Tech made them look dumb with their prediction. Now they're going to take it out on Texas Tech and predict them to do nothing. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here saying, this is the sleeper schedule in the entire Big 12. They avoid Kansas State. They just don't play them. They avoid Utah. They don't play them. They get Arizona after Arizona plays Utah, and they play six of the bottom seven odds teams in the Big 12. Sleeper schedule. Texas Tech. They're going to deliver like TCU in years past under Gary Patterson. You expect something from them one year, and they do that exact thing. They just do it a year after you expected it. So, boom, I'm, I'm circling Texas Tech over there. 
How about some schedule imbalance spots? This is always fun. It's like searching for landmines on a schedule grid. Arizona at Utah in week five. Why does this interest me? Well, Arizona's off a bye. Good for Arizona. Utah is off back-to-back road games. I don't know how conferences allow this to happen. Now, I know schedule making is difficult. I know that, guys. But uh, when one of your premier games in a given season features one team off a bye, while another team has gone to, uh, I forget where they go. It's back-to-back road games. That's difficult. That's a tough draw. Also, the Kansas at Kansas State game in week nine, very interesting. Kansas has a three-week stretch that consists of a bye week, Houston at home, and then going down the road to play Kansas State. Kansas State goes to Colorado, all the way to West Virginia, and then home against Kansas. So just some things to uh, keep note of. Am I seeing this right, Colin? Does Kansas play someone called Linwood? They They play Lindenwood in week one? Jesse, mascot check on Lindenwood, please. Nothing. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Assistant producer opening here on Late Kick. Leo the Lion. The Lindenwood Lions head into Lawrence, although they're not playing their games at home this year. So where are they playing? Arrowhead? Will Lindenwood play a game in the home of the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming year? Yes or no? Only time will tell. Utah at Kansas. Not Utah at Kansas. Utah and Kansas. Even though I just said what I said about Utah, I think they, along with Kansas, got some favorable schedule draws. Utah avoids three of the top four teams on the odds board. And also, they play four of the bottom five. So, that back-to-back road stretch notwithstanding, Utah eh, could have been a more, could, it could have been a much more difficult arrival in the Big 12. And Kansas... I like Kansas' setup here. Kansas avoids seven of the top nine, and they get to play Lindenwood, as noted. They play six of the bottom seven teams in the odds, and they have no back-to-back road games. So, feel good about Kansas. Think Colorado kind of sort of got stabbed in the ribs with the schedule makers. Uh, West Virginia, no favors. Texas Tech, the sleeper schedule in this entire equation. Let's move it on, because we still have we got more things to hit here. What else do we have? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a rare turn um, down a negative street in a few minutes. Now, it's, we're not going all the way to the end of the cul-de-sac. I'm just going to turn and so we can look down the street at teams that may be regressing this upcoming year. That's as far as we want to go in January. But first up, the transfer portal is eh, kind of sort of subsided now. And I got some teams I want to talk to you about that I think kind of won this thing. Ole Miss. Clearly a team that is a winner in the 2023-4 portal cycle. Number one team in the 24-7 sports transfer portal rankings. They got eight blue chippers. They got the number one defensive tackle in the country. They got the number two edge guy, number three linebacker, number four wide receiver. They took several DBs. They essentially overhauled their entire defensive backfield. So that's not a guarantee of anything, as I always like to say. That's like the bricks arriving on the pallet. You have to build them into whatever you want them to be built into. But they're no strangers to this approach there. And the expectations with Ole Miss will be as high as they've ever been under Lane Kiffin this upcoming year. They had to do this. They had to go this route. What about FSU? So I think FSU under Mike Norvell have 
sort of become perennial portal winners as well, PP-dubs, as we like to say. They added 15 guys. They added 10 four-star rated players out of the portal. And DJ Uyangale, I think it's probably the most noteworthy because he's the quarterback. He went from Clemson to Oregon State and now to Florida State. And what you get there is two things. You get a bridge to your future quarterback. And they got a couple of them on campus. But you also get a guy who's been around the league and he's experienced, he's mature, and has seen a lot of stuff at this point. And he's plenty good enough for them to win with. So you got that. They also added five guys from Alabama who, well, many of whom are going to be able to play pretty quickly. And you know what they're able to do now? Florida State's able to be more selective. A couple of cycles ago, they were, they were going into the portal as basically a survival mentality. We've got to get you, 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 and you, or we can't really do anything this year. Well, they still need the portal, but they don't need everything in the portal. It's not like going in their supermarket sweep mentality and just knock everything you can into your buggy and we'll sort it out later. They may have still taken a large quantity of guys who are a lot more selective, and the Florida State brand is a whole lot more attractive, so they're getting approached a whole lot more by guys who do go in the portal. What about Texas? Texas is rolling. When it comes to talent acquisition, Texas is rolling. They got six out of the eight kids as blue chippers out of the portal. They added three wide receivers. This was imperative. A.D. Mitchell is gone. Xavier Worthy is gone. And they went and added three receivers that will be immediate impact guys. I'm really excited to see what Isaiah Bond is in that offense. They also got Nye Black, the tight end from Alabama. And so they backfilled their pass catchers very effectively. Now, they got to they gotta pan out. They got to pan out. And as we have seen, portal acquisitions do not pan out at as high a hit rate as traditional recruiting for obvious reasons. Uh, but Texas has been really good at this. Great job, by the way. I mean, just they, they had needs and they addressed them. And they're also recruiting that position well, too. But I think they went twofold on that approach. What about Oregon, man? Oregon killed it. Oregon keeps killing it. They got the number three portal class. Uh, they added Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore. So they just basically watched Bo Nix walk out the door and listened to people say, uh-oh, quarterback questions at Oregon all of a sudden. And they just laughed. And they said, yeah, we got questions. Which of these starting quarterbacks are we going to play this year? And the answer is Dylan Gabriel in all likelihood. But Evan Stewart came out there as well. Former five-star receiver, went to A&M, was what it was there. Uh, I circled his name, and I was very, very interested in watching the uh, semi-recruitment process out of the portal. I know there were some teams that were involved. Other teams chose not to be involved. Oregon wanted him. Oregon got him. Jabbar Muhammad, the corner from Washington. It was sort of an Oregon-Alabama battle. He goes to Oregon the other day. That's a big get. They got four DBs out of the portal. Oregon could win a national championship this year. I hope people understand that. And there will be a healthy amount of skepticism because they haven't been in the playoff yet. So how are they going to go from not making the playoff to all of a sudden they make the playoff and win all these games? Uh, well, with a lot of really good players, that's how they would do it. It's not my prediction yet, but that's how they would do it. Ohio State. I don't think much more needs to be said about Ohio State. They went and got their starting quarterback in Will Howard. They went and got a starting running back in Quinshawn Judkins. Now, I'm a believer that Travion Henderson, if healthy, is still going to be the number one running back on that team. 
and he needs to be because he's an Ohio State guy. But nevertheless, Quinchon Judkins is a stud in his own right. They got Caleb Downs, who may very well be the best football player on that team and just came there from Alabama. Julian Sayan could be the quarterback of their future. They added three of the top eight available players in the transfer portal. Translation, Ohio State kind of sort of got it done. They went and attacked the transfer portal and got it done. And we always love the snow B-roll of Will Howard there playing at Kansas State. All right, let's move along. They're watching us in Syracuse, New York, Dothan, Alabama, Cape San Blas, Florida, wherever you guys are watching. We sincerely appreciate it. This is a tough, tough segment for me that I'm about to do because I got it requested a lot and I don't, I don't normally like going this route, but I'll do it because you guys asked me to. I'll do it. And that uh, segment is this one. Ryan from Palm Bay, Florida, hit me and said, which teams do you think fall off in 2024? Now, I can only take this to mean which teams do I think have a worse record this upcoming year than last year. Some of this is easy. Because some of this is, look at the teams that went undefeated. It's going to be really hard for them to go undefeated again. So like Washington, it's very obvious to anyone who's paying attention, Washington's record will dip this year. Washington lost their head coach, their OC, their DC. They lost 20 of 22 starters, including their entire offense. And that also includes that entire offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award. They enter the Big Ten. They play Michigan at Iowa, USC at Penn State, at Oregon, UCLA. There's nothing they can do about that. A lot of that's out of their control. I mean, they were really aggressive, by the way, in trying to keep Kalen DeBoer. I was looking at some of the details about what they offered him. They offered him north of $9 million a year. They more than offered to double his salary to keep him. That's how hard they fought before he eventually left to go to Alabama. So even if DeBoer was still there, I'll say it like I said with Michigan and Harbaugh, even if DeBoer was still there, chances are they were taking a step back record-wise. So Jed Fish is the head coach there now. Now look, you want a guy who's inheriting a very unsure situation and is able to make the most of it, you got the guy. Jed Fish is that guy. We all know what he did at Arizona. But that's one. I think another one has to be Michigan, the team Washington played a few weeks ago in the national title game. Michigan as well. Goodbye head coach. Goodbye defensive coordinator. Quarterback's gone. A very, very integral part of their program was strength and conditioning and the coach that just left to go to the Chargers. That's a big loss for them. They promoted from within at head coach. They promoted from within at strength and conditioning. We'll see how that plays out, but they just went undefeated, guys. So the percentage chances are overwhelming that they take somewhat of a step back. It's Sharon Moore's program now, not just his temporary team. It's his program now. So we get to find out what a Sharon Moore Michigan looks like. And it takes a little while for a head coach to have his thumbprint put on a program. You don't do that in an interim capacity. That's not a knock on him at all. Got all the respect in the world for how they handled that entire stretch. I don't know when we've ever seen that before. When have we seen a head coach suspended twice in a year in which they go undefeated and win the title? So that was, it's really crazy enough to where once you get a little removed from it, you look back on it and you say, wow, now that you say it out loud, that is wilder than I ever realized it was. They play four of the top 16 odds teams in college football this upcoming year. So they've got the, they got the crosshairs on their back now. 
Uh, they've got a very much a tougher schedule this year. You know, Texas goes to Michigan this upcoming year. Texas is joining the SEC and also playing Michigan. That ought to be fun. And you've got a, a new, not everything, but a bunch of newness up there. So, you know, stands to reason Michigan may take a step back. What about Louisville? Louisville was in the ACC championship game this past year. Louisville went 10-2 and in the regular season. And that was partly because Jeff Brom's a stud as a coach and partly because they had a workable schedule. Okay, so the schedule inverts this year. And they've got a much tougher draw. They play three of the top four teams in the ACC this upcoming year. They play Notre Dame and Kentucky out of conference. Four of their final five weeks are on the road. And they're entirely reliant on the portal, guys. They added 26 players out of the portal. You want a trivia question that's about to stump almost any of your buddies, including the most hardcore, diehard college football junkies. Ask them who Louisville's starting quarterback is this upcoming year. That's not dead air. That's just silence. I'm letting you guess. It's Tyler Shuck. By way of Texas Tech, by way of Oregon, did I miss any other stops? So, yeah, it, it's, um, it's not impossible, but it's going to be tough to reappear in that ACC championship game. And now here's one I'm very nervous about. Look at my hand. I'm shaking a little bit as I even mentioned this. Could Missouri take a step back? I don't know if I want to go down this road. Missouri was 10-2. and two. So Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri has gone 5-5, five 6-7, and 6-7, five, six and 11-2 six and and with the bowl win. So playing the percentages, it stands to reason that Missouri probably falls back. They lost some elite defensive staffers, and not just the coordinator. I mean, Kevin Peoples went along with him, and Peoples really, really underrated coach defensively. But they're last on this list in my mind for a reason. I'm not totally sold on this. I'm not totally sold on them just, just taking a giant step back. So there's logic, the percentages, and then there's my gut. And luckily, it's January, so we really don't have to commit on this. But well, I'll just ask it this way. What is Missouri? Is Missouri 5-5, five 6-7, and 6-7, five, six and, seven, six and seven, or are they 11-2? and two, Or most likely, could they be somewhere in between? They got a good thing going on up there. And also, what we don't really know is, yes, we know the staffers that just left, but Eli Drinkwitz is not just going to leave those positions vacant. He went and hired guys, so let's see how good they are as well. I've been throwing around a lot of odds, been throwing around a lot of teams and, you know, you play six of the top seven, you play three of the bottom four. Where are these odds? Well, they're on FanDuel and you can go there right now. You can, of course, bet the Super Bowl and, oh, Jesse, I didn't tell you this. Jesse, big Lions fan. So the other day I'm watching the NFC Championship game and I have the live betting pulled up. Hey, by the way, little cheat code for you. If you guys are trying to live bet this stuff, don't be watching on TV and don't even be watching on YouTube TV. You can watch the game in the FanDuel app and have the live numbers pulled up beneath you. And I was in a situation the other day where I had the game on TV. There was a physical TV there. So I'm watching the broadcast feed and I had YouTube TV pulled up and YouTube TV is ahead of the broadcast feed. FanDuel's ahead of both of them. I almost think FanDuel was in the future. And so you're certainly getting the best number on live betting. Anyway, they didn't tell me to tell you that. I'm just telling you that. So I have the prop market pulled up live. And this was right as Detroit lost the lead. I think San Fran tied it up at 24. So I feel good about the ensuing Detroit drive. 
So you can bet individual receivers, yes, no, will they catch a pass on the following drive? And Jamison Williams had not been Jamison Williams had not been active on the previous two drives. So I thought early in the following drive, they'll try to get the ball to him. He was plus 350 to catch a ball. I bet it. Uh, they promptly turned the ball over on the first play in the next possession. And so I lose my money. Following drive, two catches for JMO. So yeah, that ended poorly for me, but doesn't have to end poorly for you. FanDuel is there. I mean, great broadcast if you just want to watch the game, but also got a ton of props and whatnot for the Super Bowl. But if you want to bet the national championship odds this upcoming year, it's there. It's all in the FanDuel odds market. So you bet $5 on anything right now, and you get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed. And I'll, you, could, you could bet St. Joe's basketball for all I care. But go ahead and take advantage of that. I mean, money is not easy to come by these days. I mean, we're not all management after all. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, let's wrap it up with this. So someone submitted a what they call a radical proposal. And I'll tell you how radical I think it is here. Um, a lot of changes happening, obviously. So Ryan hit me with his radical idea. He said the Big Ten on CBS will be better than the SEC on CBS was. Now, I got to admit to you, I don't necessarily know how he means this. He's not talking about the music because the music's going to be the same. And for those of you out there who didn't know that, take it upon your boy here to be inside. I'm in the belly of the beast right now. CBS owns this building. They don't own this mic, but CBS figuratively even owns this mic, and therefore I can get some intel. And the SEC on CBS music is not going anywhere. It's just going to be the Big Ten on CBS music. That's about all I can kind of confirm right now. But as for the proposal, the SEC has been the most dominant league in America for a long time. And now... ESPN will hold the rights nearly exclusively to that. I mean, they will exclusively to that league. And the, the CBS broadcast, while it will mostly remain, I guess, 3.30 in the afternoon, will be Big Ten games. Well, here's what we cannot know. What we cannot know is, what does Oregon add? What does USC add? What does Washington add? And also, is Penn State always 
sitting right there just beneath the surface like they have been? Will Michigan State never resurrect themselves? Will Wisconsin be an afterthought? Or will Luke Fickle raise them to prominence? What will Nebraska be under Matt Rule? Will Iowa always try to win games 7-3? to three? There's a lot unknown about the future of the conference, but I told you guys last summer, and I'll reiterate it one more time, and this is not me shilling for the network. Scratch that. I am now shilling for the network, but I'm trying to sell myself on this. Uh, first off, Big Ten games are very attractive anyway, but what if we're entering an era at just the right time for CBS where... The media rights money that is being pumped into the conference is coming with the agreement, unspoken, but an agreement that when you guys have job openings, like Nebraska, for example, we can't have another Scott Frost. You got to be aggressive. They were. They got Matt Rule. When you've got Wisconsin with a job opening, hey, Paul Christ, that was good enough for the old Big Ten. You guys better get aggressive. Well, they did. They hired Luke Fickle. I mean, Michigan State just went and got Jonathan Smith, one of the most underrated coaches in America. So a lot of these places have upgraded the caliber of head coach they have. I would venture to think the upgrade in results won't be too far behind. And it could be, it could be that a new network has walked in at just the right time, not exclusively, but a new network has walked in at just the right time and they reap the benefits. And all of a sudden, you got the addition of the four newbies from out west combined with a collective raising of the boats in the bay that already exists. And who knows, maybe two years from now, the Big Ten on CBS is looked at as just a stroke of genius at just the right time. And if that happens, I will take credit. And if it doesn't, I will shirk all the blame elsewhere because we are very good at it. I appreciate you guys so much for watching the show. I appreciate you guys. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel and subscribe to the podcast, and that's it. That's all I need you to do. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Pate. Take care, have a great rest of your evening, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.